Welcome to another episode of National Energy Talk. I'm your host, Mark Stansbury. And we have back with us an expert in the financial world, which right now we're all trying to find a way to our future. I mean, there's the uh, there's the certainty, there's uncertainty, there's all these different things before us. And it's great to have back with us Stacy Huddleston out of Kansas City with Seacoast. Welcome, Stacy. Hi, Mark. How are you doing today? Well, doing just great. I I say that. I mean, with uh, the issues of <laughs> inflation, uh, recession, uh, all these different things before us, the uh, Fed funds uh, looks like they'll be hiked again, maybe more than once down the road. Uh, from QE, uh, which you may explain further, and QT uh, to uh, Fed funds again, that uh, is is definitely in front of us. And then the two-year yield and the 10-year yield, the match there between uh, uh, the Treasury yields, something that may be highlighted today. We're going to go through quite a few things, including, uh, you know, what do we do for our future when it comes to energy? Are we looking at electric vehicles? Is that Can that be financed? Is it something that could really happen? Uh, are we looking at uh, natural gas, hydrogen? What, what's our pathway? And in the meantime, how do we survive to get to those pathways? So, Certainty and uncertainty. Stacy, uh, we, we talked about your your uh, the bio, the journey of your life uh, in episode 18. For those that didn't get to hear that, please go to, to episode 18 to hear more about Stacy's journey and about his uh, pathway in his profession in the financial and the banking world. Uh, that's on episode 18, and it is quite a journey and, and provide a lot of expertise. In fact, it'd be great to list that episode before you listen to today's episode. Stacey, if you will, take us through where we are today, beginning uh, either way with certainty or uncertainty, uh, what's what's before us and uh, how are we going to handle this? How can we lean to someone like you to get us through this uh, to uh, to some great opportunities probably that are around the corner? You know, Mark, that's a great question. And, and quite frankly, it's probably the golden question that's out there today. Uh, what's really interesting in the past few years you know, we have become pretty polarized in, in how we we think in terms of, you know, political views and, and geopolitical views and worldviews and personal views. And, and we have really gone from the mindset of the sky is falling to uh, we don't know where the sky is right now. And there's a lot of uncertainty in the world when it comes to uh, specifically, uh, the economics of of uh, of today and how our businesses should and should not be run. And so, I, I think you know I'd like to start off by just saying you know there's a couple of key points of information that's really been released lately. You know, and and this being kind of mid July, I think we will see uh, some of these numbers transpire even more come you know, mid-August to the beginning of September. And that's uh, the federal, you know, benchmark rate or, or what we call the federal funds rate. That's the interest rate in which uh, financial institutions usually borrow or lend money to each other. Um, you know, a year ago, you know, that interest rate was sitting somewhere in between zero and 0.25%. You know, it was really cheap. And, you know, Recently, the the Fed increased the rate seventy five basis or 0.75 percent, 
and is now sitting, you know, mid July in between 1.5 and 1.75%. And what does that mean? That means that it costs more for banks to lend money from another bank or from the from the Fed. And so what we're going to see probably, I don't know, at the end of this month and, and by mid-August, uh, we're probably going to see another 0.75% increase to that federal funds rate, meaning that, um, you know, in another month or two, we're going to see 2.25% to 2.5% uh, for federal funds rate. And, and quite frankly, by the end of the year, you know, the Fed has, has released the numbers that they're projecting that total rate to be somewhere between 3.1 and 3.6%. Um, they're increasing the rate primarily to curb the inflation. And, and that's the second piece of information to talk about with certainty. The inflation rate just came out for uh, 12 months ending June 2022. Um, it's the highest inflation rate that we increase that we have seen uh, in a 24-month period since, uh, well, it's the highest inflation rate that we've seen since 1981, okay? And we all kind of remember what 1981 was, was like, um, but it's the highest jump or increase of rate over a 25-month period since uh between 19 i want to say 1972 to 1974ish i mean it's it, it this is a a pretty big leap you know to go from uh what would be considered a you know 0.6% inflation to now 9.1% uh which that's what the number was in june as a as a 12 month so it's the, the certainty is there and that inflation is on the rise and it's and it's almost like an overnight jump. And uh, to curb that, the Fed is increasing their, their rate and they're doing it at a very rapid pace. And so, you know, the, the certainty to all of us, whether it be consumers or business owners, is the cost of our money is going up whether it be the valuation of, of the dollar going down and, and the cost of goods, you know, increasing on us, which food and, and, uh, and fuel were two of the highest increases that we've seen, uh, for, for, you know, consumer price index and just the cost to borrow money is, is increasing at a, at a very rapid rate. Where do you see that on the, as far as certainty, where, where do you, uh, plan and when you're a when you're a consumer or a, a borrower or uh, here let's say in the energy business and you're trying to make plans, I mean sure the inflation we understand the certainty but the part of the certainty is we know it's going up, but we don't know whether it's you know seventy five point basis or hundred or and how long it will continue to go that route. I mean uh, we've gone going from the QE to uh, QT, which you may explain as well. Yeah, so QE is is quantitative easing. That's what we've really seen as the model from, you know, since since 2008 and, and lowering what would be a, effectively the, the federal funds rate uh, down to that 0% level, right? And, and 
we did that for so long as a, as a result of you know the, the housing bubble in 2008. And that continued on until just recently. And the reverse of that is quantitative tightening. And I don't know that we have really seen historically a measure in which, you know, we have uh, really had such a strategic plan in place like we do now for quantitative tightening. And, and again, that's the opposite of quantitative easing. And, and what that really means is we're going to uh, raise rates. We're going to try to counter inflationary measures and take a lot of the what I would consider money off the table. Instead of printing money, we're, we're now hitting the delete button on the monetary piece of this. And that gets, you know, the quantitative easing and tightening, I would say on the economic side of it, that's a, that's a very long-winded discussion, I would say, to, to, to dig into that. What, what you really want to dig into is what are the effects of that? And I kind of think of it more like a garden hose. You know, when you, you have a hundred foot garden hose and you turn the water spigot on, the, the water doesn't immediately come right out of the hose as soon as you turn it on. It takes a hundred feet for it to, to actually come out of, out of the end of the hose. Imagine, you know, you've got one that's a couple miles long and it takes even longer for that to, to that water to flow through the hose. And I think of, the federal funds rate being increased, you know, to counter the inflationary market. And, and I think of that as being this long garden hose in which they can, you know, pull the levers and increase uh, the rates. Um, but it takes a little bit of time for that to actually hit the consumers and hit the business owners. But when it does, it, it comes out pretty fast and pretty heavy, you know, it, these don't have immediate results. They take months to put in place. And so what I believe will happen is inflation will continue to increase. I, I absolutely believe that the federal funds rate will continue to increase. Um, and it's going to take another three to 12 months for the consumers and business owners to really feel the pain from this. Um, you know, there's, there's in interesting data that's already being released from Q1 of 2022. And it's uh, consumer credit card debt in America is, is, is at a billion dollars. You know, that's up 12.3% from Q1 2021. So what we're going to see, you know, and what that's a result of is inflation. You know, they're, people aren't able to pay cash for items that they normally would have in the past. And so the increased price of goods has forced a lot of consumers to use credit cards um, to, to offset some of that. And so these are at the same levels, by the way, of household credit card debt that we saw in 2007 and 2000. But once you, once you adjust for inflation, I think there's probably another $3,000 per household uh, buffer in there where, you know, a, a household could reach potentially $12,000 in credit card debt per household before you really see a breaking point. Last time you were on National Energy Talk, you uh, discussed the loan loss reserves. And uh, today uh, on the news, it was big news because of uh, earnings reports and so forth from different uh, banking institutions. Uh, 
about the increase in loan loss. So again, uh, loan loss reserves, we're, we're talking again about the certainty. Uh, with that, what are the certainty means there are going to be some companies that you talked about are going to be uh, in question, whether, whether it's survival or restructure, or whatever. You can discuss what you're seeing uh, regarding that. Yeah, that's a great question. And, and what I'm reading and what I'm seeing you know, kind of fall in line with um, with what we're seeing on the inflationary market and, and of course, the um, increase of federal funds rates. And that is the banks, I feel, are preparing um, for what I would consider a breaking point. However, you know, there, there's no real clear answer provided from the banks as to when or what that's going to look like. And so, you know, every bank um, has to have a, a specific level of capital reserves set aside, uh, you know, to, to protect itself against uh, loan loss. And that was a, a, you know, a key benchmark that was that was really heavily scrutinized and put in place uh, from the 2008 to 2011 bubble that happened. Right. And so. um what we're seeing right now are the very top banks publicly, you know, advising that uh, that they are setting aside additional loan loss reserves. Um, however, they are not advising what the loan loss is expected to be and when it might be here. And so, I think right now they're just taking a very a very good conservative approach to, um, you know, to protect themselves against future loan loss. Last time, also, you mentioned on National Energy Talk about uh, your your bank, Seacoast, look more on the, I believe, collateral side more than the cash flow side in uh, in trying to develop the relationships with uh, with clients and so forth. Is that still going to be the case? Is that certain, or is it? Is the certainty uh, turning into uncertainty? What, what's happening with Seacoast? Yeah, so, you know, Seacoast Bank is a very strong, uh, you know, community bank. They're located in Stewart, Florida. And, you know, the division that I work within, uh, Seacoast Business Funding, located in Boynton Beach, Florida. Again, incredible division. Um we provide my division specifically on a national level provides um, what I would consider, you know, balance sheet financing. So we finance, we put revolvers or, or credit facilities in place, um, you know, for companies that have account receivables and inventory. And that's pretty typical when you look at a company that has to, you know, submit borrowing base reports each month and and determine what their level of account receivables and what their level of inventory is and be able to borrow money against that. And, you know, I would say what I'm seeing lately is, is an increase in phone calls, uh, inquiring about our services as a bank, inquiring about um, options that, you know, that they, that a, a business would like to explore if they're not able to renew their credit facility at the current bank. 
So they're kind of looking at, you know, plan B as to what would happen if their bank says no. And, and, uh, you know, I'm seeing more applications probably today than I have in the past four years. It's really, um, you know, the, the, the number of inquiries and the number of applications I'm seeing is, has absolutely, uh, increased quite a bit just in the last few months. And so with what, with regard to what we just mentioned with banks putting, you know, setting aside additional capital reserves for loan loss, reading between the lines, what that really means is most of your, your institutions are saying no more often to companies that they may be on the fence with. They're, they're saying no more often to industries that they're just not excited about or, or you know, industries that they really don't know much about. And quite frankly, they're saying no more often today than they probably have in the past five years. And so that allows Seacoast Bank and, and Seacoast Business Funding, my division, to really step up and, and really look at uh, the collateral value of the account receivables and inventory and really determine if you know, the client has got good credit quality. And then we look at cash flow. And, and if there's a story there that we can get our arms wrapped around and, and we understand, um, in many cases, we're able to put you know, a credit facility together that uh, allows that company access to more working capital uh, with fewer restrictions than maybe they had with a traditional uh, bank and a traditional line of credit. Stacy, are you confronted with scenarios? Uh, I'm sure you are from the client standpoint, but from Seacoast, are, are, are you looking at scenarios that this, again, is going to go on for quite some time potentially, but uh, is there a, a, a way to look at it, say, year, two years, three years down the road, you can uh, work on the cash flow issue. Um, and are there any projections of uh, the way out of this? Uh, I guess that's the uncertainty. Uh, we know it's certain that, as you mentioned, the inflation is going to continue. Uh, recession uh, looks like potential. Um, so, so where do we go? Yeah, so, you know, I, I think that there's a few things. And, and you know, from a consumer standpoint, really take a, a good look at your budget and try to stay within a, a really what I consider a tightened budget and know that the money that the consumers have is is not going to go nearly as far as maybe it did a year or two ago. Um, on a business standpoint, it's really interesting because if you take that same mindset and, and put it to the business, there are some things that maybe a business can do to protect themselves. Uh, and, and number one, I think the business has a great opportunity to dig deep into creating efficiencies within their company and reduce the, the changes or the sudden fluctuations of cost of goods that I'm certainly witnessing right now through, throughout several industries. Um, you know, when, when an emergency happens, that's usually something that's usually pretty costly. And, uh, and, and we've seen it in the last year, a tightening of the supply chain, you know, and, and increased prices across several commodities and, and, 
just having difficulty getting a product, whether it be overseas or even domestically. And so I think, I think the one key takeaway that a lot of companies who are thriving right now have done is they have built, you know, for several years, they've built multiple relationships with suppliers to strengthen the supply chain and decrease those large price fluctuations and you know the the time it takes to receive materials i think that's one of the key takeaways in the past year uh, that great companies have made the move prior to a, a supply chain shortage um but I, I you know digging just a little bit further i think that there's one probably key way for a company to protect themselves and that is a company should today really strengthen their existing lending relationship and and provide an an open level of communication to lenders on the progress of their company and and ask questions and learn how the lender feels about their borrowing capacity um you know i think the companies today should be less focused on you know uh an interest rate as you know as they should more focused on their total availability of their credit line. And I think that they should be focused on reducing their overall covenant restrictions as much as possible so that they may decrease the, the chances of possibly triggering a, a technical default situation in the future. You know, we have all been, uh, I, I would say, programmed in the last 10, 15 years to think that the interest rate you know, is the greatest thing. But I think what we are about to see right now from a business level is that great businesses are going to focus more on having as much possible availability on their credit facility with fewer restrictions compared to worrying about, you know, one interest rate being 0.15% cheaper than another. I, I think the worst thing a company can do right now is walk in uh, with a, you know, walk into other banks with their loan proposal from, you know, from one bank and and go to multiple banks and try to negotiate the lowest rate. I think what they should be doing is talking with the lenders and trying to to negotiate the highest availability that they can so that they can have access to more working capital because I think things are going to get tighter for them. Like cost of goods is going to continue to increase. And I think that the cost of money or the cost of the interest rate cost, cost of capital is going to go up. And in some cases, those two things by themselves may actually put a company in a technical default situation with their bank. We've got uh, the two-year yield on treasury higher than the 10 year as of today. Uh, and so that's speaking of recession. <laughs> so what, uh, don't you think that really the, the certainty of all that's before us that, and, and the uncertainty, of course, that there should be a, str- a long-term strategic plan uh, not year to year renewing of the of the of the loan. I mean, there's got to be a, a really thought out 
process. And I guess that's what you can provide, right, at Seacoast? Yeah, we can. You know, we work one-on-one with the companies to try to understand what their overall goal is, and both long-term and short-term, and and work with them to, you know, not force the company into some sort of a a loan box or a credit box, but but really try to understand the processes of that company so that we can create a box that's formed around them. You know, we, I just proposed on a, a credit facility that in 21 years I've never seen before. And, and, you know, we approved a structure that uh, allowed a, a company that's based in Oklahoma, actually, um, access to unbilled uh, invoices or, or what I would consider unbilled tickets, you know. So they they're only allowed to really invoice their their customer once a month, but they've delivered product, you know, for thirty straight days. And so, we created a credit facility that would not only allow them to advance on, you know, uh, receivables on delivered product and invoice product, but also a sub limit that allowed for the company to uh, advance on a credit facility uh, on unbilled tickets and so it's something that we've gotten very creative with and and it only happens when you're with a uh you know a lending partner that truly understands your business and and wants to uh you know create a a loan box or a a credit box around that company we look at certainty uncertainty is there anything else we should be looking for under either category the one thing that's certain is is consumer price index, inflation, you know, it's going up, the interest rates are going up. And and what that means is there's going to be a double hit to the consumer soon, a double hit to businesses soon. And that is that the cost of capital is going to go up um, to a level that they haven't seen in a long time. And their gross margin is is going to be squeezed even harder than they've ever been squeezed before just on cost basis not even counting for the time that it may take for them to receive uh the materials right and so we're going to see a squeeze from both sides both from the interest or the cost of capital side as well as from cost of goods um and it's and and the one thing that is certain is the the good companies that that come out to be great at the end of the day are those that have created the efficiencies, have built very very strong supply chain relationships as well as very strong uh, lending relationships with with their bank, and and quite frankly, have gone out to the market and talked to other suppliers and other lenders to understand what the other lenders and what the other suppliers are doing. Because, you know, it's those great companies that have gotten and will continue to get very, um, I, I would say, that they're going to get very structured and very customized with, you know, not only the supply chain and their suppliers, but also with their their lending institution. Like I said, the worst thing that they can do is what I consider loan cheating, which is take 
and and get an approval from one bank and walk it around to multiple banks because eventually the other banks are going to find out. No question about it. Regarding energy future, um, I know we in the oil gas business we look at upstream, downstream, uh, midstream, downstream, and upstream. And uh, in regard to uh, transportation, uh, many are are pushing on the electric vehicle side as well. How do you see that from the bank standpoint now? Uh, is it uh, are we reaching a new transition, or is, or is it early in the transition? Or what's what's the future from your perspective in banking when it comes to energy futures? You know, that's again, that's a that's the golden question when it comes to energy, and I think we're early. I think that. You know, when it comes to the electric side, I think that the money that is going to be made right now from what I would consider the the electric vehicle industry is the infrastructure. Um, you know, the the latest you know government infrastructure bill that was passed and and budget that that allowed a ridiculous amount of money to be to be allocated to building out the infrastructure for the electric vehicle is probably going to be where the next gold rush is going to be. Um, you're just going to see a lot of uh, a lot of these, you know, EV type of transmission um, companies that that are going to build out that infrastructure. That's probably who's going to win right now when it comes to the electric vehicle side. I think that the technology is still very early, although it's it's rapidly getting better. Um, Panasonic just announced that they're coming to Kansas and uh, and and opening up another battery, an EV battery uh, production facility, um, a, a very large facility, and um, and and so with regards to you know, midstream and, and upstream and downstream on the 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 crude and the and the and the nat gas field. I I don't know that it's gonna really affect that um, much, probably at least for the next 10 years, I would imagine. And that's me throwing a dart against the board. I I really that's the uncertainty part of it, right? But but the amount of copper that it's gonna take to lay to lay the groundwork for an infrastructure and and i was thinking about this you know probably a week ago you know on the consumer mindset right now the one thing that i think they've got to fix in order for electric vehicles to really truly take off and be trendy is to be able to go from empty to full on a battery charge as fast as it takes for us to pump empty to full with gas in our vehicles you know, if it takes five minutes to to go, you know, fill my truck and spend, you know, a hundred plus dollars on my tank of gas, um, then I don't know that on the consumer side that they're really going to catch on to EV being mainstream until they can charge the vehicle from empty, you know, in five minutes or less. And and I think that it may come. I don't think that it's here yet. Well, you've been listening to Stacy Huddleston. I'd like to spend more time. As you know, Stacy, time just goes by and we still have more to talk about. I'm sure we will again, hopefully in another episode with you, Stacy. Uh, Stacy, how do we 
how do people reach you and get in touch with you? Yeah. So, you know, they can go on to uh, seacoastbusinessfunding.com and, and check out, you know, our division of the bank, seacoastbank.com. Uh, it's a publicly traded bank, again, out of Florida. Um, and, and a great bank, just a, a wonderful bank and wonderful people. Uh, personally, you know, Stacy.huddleston at Seacoast B is in business, F is in funding.com. So it's Stacy.huddleston at SeacoastBF.com. Um, you know, it, it or or simply reach out to you, Mark, and and you can connect us with with any questions that you might have or you know from the audience. Uh, I'll be, you know, excited to uh, you know, to to be on for another podcast. I find these very enjoyable and and love listening to uh, just the thought leadership that you and your your guests bring to uh, you know to uh, to your show. Well, again, thank you, Stacy, and thank you, listeners. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes of National Energy Talk.